0: Let's stand up and pray just a minute before we get started this morning. Father God, we come to you in your presence this morning, and we thank you that we can be here this morning. Thank you that we're here in our right minds, clothed. We had a way to get here this morning. We thank You for Your goodness to us. We thank You for this building. We thank You for these chairs, this carpet, for all the wonderful things that You've done for us, Father, to get us to this place. And we just ask You for Your anointing this morning, for utterance, Father, to say the things that You would have us to say and for us to be able to hear the things that You would have us to hear, Father, that You would give us all the things that we need to do to live this life in the way that You would have us to live it and be the examples that we need to be and fulfill all the things that You would have us to do while we're here on this earth and not just be walking daily and doing things we desire but fulfill every call that you have on our lives while we're here and do each and every way that you would have us to do it in Jesus name we ask you for it amen, amen. you can be seated well i said it this morning first service and i'll say it again i'm excited <laughs> I think I'm more excited now because, you know what? We stomped the devil's head a little bit first service. Whether you know it or not, we did. We gained some ground first service. Because those are things, these things that we're teaching about, and I'm going to talk to you about second service, are things the devil just don't like. And any time that we can gain ground... On my favorite subject, uh, we are gonna, I mean, the truth will set you free. Yes. So, uh, say, I'm gonna get it. Yes. yes, 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 yes. Charles and Sandy came in where y'all, I saw y'all stand up. There they are. 20 years. Congratulations. There are buds and friends and hard workers. You have to watch them. They'll follow you everywhere you go. That's good. That's good. They'll show up and help you any way that they can, give you anything they got. Good people. But um, excited about the Word because the Word will set you free. And the devil's greatest joy is to keep you bound and blinded. And if he can do that, then you won't have victory. You won't have success. You'll be uh, confused and uh, hurting. And without. So we want to have victory in every area of our life. And I asked him first service, how many of you actually watched some of the two conventions that were going on, the Republican and, and the Democratic, their national conventions? Well, I was watching him, and I was thinking, you know, uh, they're constantly trying to deal with things, but they're never dealing with the source of the things. It's like they just want to deal with... This and this, but they never want to deal with the big picture of the things. They skirt the big picture of it. But you know what? We're guilty of the same things. If we don't watch it, we can be guilty of the very same things. Because in our lives, so many times, we want to just put out the fire for that day and not deal with the big picture of it, what's causing it. I know several, several years ago when we were living in Tulsa, some friends of ours before we had, in between motorcycles or what the deal was, but anyway, some friends of ours loaned us a Harley, and the battery had gone bad, and I don't know really what happened on it. I think we bought one for it or something like that because the battery was bad on it, and uh, we left Tulsa, and we were going from Tulsa to Grand Lake, and we got like three quarters of the way there, and it left us on the side of the road. So, what, what would be the cause of that? It was the alternator. Somebody got it right away. We just fixed the little problem. We didn't fix the source of the problem, we just fixed the symptom. We just fixed what we could see. We didn't find what was causing the problem. We just fixed, well, the bike won't start. We'll just change the battery. We didn't go to find out that it was the alternator that was causing the battery to die. How many of you ever had a battery to die? How many of you ever went and paid $50 for another battery and changed it out? And then had to go pay another $50 and get another battery? Yeah, several of you raising your hands. And you you do that, and it's a chain reaction. Then you find out, oh, well, it's not the battery. It's the alternator. Well, you're just wasting your money time and time again, throwing money battery after battery. When you can go get the alternator fixed, and you're not having to fix battery after battery. Or you can do it on, on several different things. You can keep fixing different parts on your car or different parts on your washing machine or different parts on your house, when you go and you fix the thing that's causing it, and it's fixed forever. It may cost you a little bit more to fix it. It may be a little bit more work. Huh? Yes. Yes. But once you get it fixed, it's fixed Well, that's what happens so much in our families today. So many times we're fixing the symptom and we're not fixing the source of the problem. We're fussing at the kids because they're not making good grades or we're fixing, we're going to the doctor and fixing our cold, but next month it's, uh, tonsillitis. And next month it's, um, who knows what else? They fall off their bike and get cut or you get sick or, or you have to miss this many days' work and it's just one thing after another. Well, I think it's time that we find the source of the problem and fix the source of the problem and not the symptoms. Same thing with your finances. You work extra hours and you pay this bill. You get your house payment caught up. You work all these extra hours and get it caught up. Well, next month, the car breaks down. So you have to work extra to get that caught up. Then next month, the kids get sick. You have to work extra to get that done. And it just seems like it's constantly something attacking your finances, attacking your finances, attacking your finances. And you can never seem to get ahead. And I know I'm not talking to anybody in this room. It's, it's, like we've said before, the other service, or the people on the Internet or But I don't know about you, but I like to fix what causes the problem to keep from having to deal with the same thing over and over and over again. So let's look at how many of you want to fix the cause, not just the symptom. OK? Everybody got a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand because I really want you to see these scriptures with your own very own eyes if you can this morning. So big and little, tall and short, get a Bible. 1 Corinthians 11.3 And uh, in case you're wondering, like Keith says, I didn't write this. And another thing in case you're wondering, I have no primi- problem with women. I is one. I just think that if we do things right, if you do it God's way, you enjoy life so much better. I'm happier today than I have ever been in my whole lifetime. I'm more fulfilled today than I've ever been in my whole lifetime. Because I know if we do it his way, He's stay on his side. He's not against us, he's for us. Anything he tells us to do is for our benefit. It's not to hurt us. It's to help us. It's good for us. It's a good thing. So if he says it, it's for your benefit. You might not can see it and the devil will immediately say, uh, uh-uh, uh, 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 but no, what is the devil? A liar. A liar. So you know immediately, uh huh, it is. It's good for me. Okay. So first Corinthians 11, three, but I'd have you know, That the head of every man is Christ. And the head of every woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. God. Now, if Jesus has to have a head, you think you could require a head? I would think so. So I would think if Jesus requires a head, then the wife should require a head. The husband should require a head. Every person has a head. The children have a head. The mother has a head. The daddy has a head. Jesus has a head. Everybody has a head. No one is left without one. You just have to find out who yours is. The Amplified. But I want you to know and realize that Christ is the head of every man. So, man, who is your head? Christ. And the head of every woman is? Christ. So, woman, who's your head? Christ. Your husband. Boy, only a quarter of the crowds answered me. <laughs> Let's try that one more time. Okay. Uh, woman, who is your head? I half did that time. Okay, um, it won't hurt you, I'm telling you it will help you if you realize this. God is not against you. He is for you. He is for you. It will help you. And the head of Jesus is God. So everybody has a head. Do you think Jesus felt inferior because God was his head? Does man feel inferior because he has a head? Should woman feel inferior because she has a head? Shouldn't. But what happens so many times, like I've said before, I think God has a sense of humor. Because what you have so many times is women... That are really good at being ahead. And men that are really good at not wanting to be ahead. So what's with that? But you know, the way it really is, is like, you got married, guys, and you entered into a contract. How many of you have ever bought anything and you entered into a contract? Okay. How many of you... I'm sure there's somebody in here that entered into a contract and you found out later, man, I should have read the fine print on that contract. That's
1: right. That's
0: right. Amen. Well, guys, you might have should have read the fine print on the contract. Because the contract of this book says the guy... Is supposed to be the head. It didn't say, okay, it didn't say, but I'd have you know that the head of every man is Christ. And if the uh, man wants to be and the lady doesn't feel up to it, <laughs> and if she chooses not to be, or if he's not so tired and wants to be today, then he gets to be the head. No, it says the man is the head. Yes. So you should have read the fine print on the contract before you signed it. Right. How many of you that are married in here signed a marriage license? Uh oh. <laughs> it's kind of like the mob. Now, you go and you get behind on your bills or something and you go to somebody and you borrow money and you find out they're with the mob. And you don't have the money to pay them back. Does it matter that you don't have the money to pay them back? They're going to come to you and say, "Ah, uh, it's okay. You didn't read. You didn't really know. I kind of like you. <laughs> Don's a good old boy. I think I just like him. I'm not going to kill him today." <laughs> What's the mob boss going to tell his guys? Whack him. He's in it for the money. It doesn't matter if it's a family member of his, if it's friend, who it is. If you borrowed the money from him, he's saying, Hey, Dan, I'll give you to tomorrow, but the interest is tripling, dude. Right? Right? didn't matter if you read the fine print on the mob's contract. Didn't matter if you knew it. You should have found that out what? Before, Before you borrowed the money from them. That's right. Do you think the devil cares if you read the fine print on the marriage contract in the Bible? Do you think he cares that you know that you're supposed to be the head? Do you think he would like for you to stay confused about this fact? Yes, that's what he wants. Do you think that he will take mercy on you? No. Because you don't know. Uh-huh. He's a good old boy. No. I kind of like him. I'm not going to steal all his money. I'm not going to attack his kids. I don't think so. What he's going to do is the same as that mob is going to do. He's going to do his very best to whack you or your family or anybody you know, and destroy you. Because he has come to steal and to kill and to destroy. And if you don't know what your rights are, you're leaving the door wide open for him to be able to do that. So we have to go by what the contract says. And the contract says that the husband has to be the head. Now, people get confused. And they say, well, I don't want to be the head. I go and I work. And I bring home the money. And that's my job. And I come home and. I want to rest when I get home, so I get on the computer or I do this, and I don't want to have to take care of the kids. That's the wife's job. Everybody has their ideas of what everybody's supposed to do. But God has ideas too. And the contract says some things that you're supposed to do. So it would be real good to find out what God says that we're supposed to do instead of what today's society says we're supposed to do and what our TV commercials tell us what we're supposed to be and do. Because the devil is not going to care what tradition says you're supposed to do. He's only going to care what he knows his legal rights are to do to you. So you as the father of the household are responsible for certain things. Let's read another scripture here real quickly. I'm going to skip around a little bit. Turn to Ephesians 5. Uh, Ephesians 6. Verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The Amplified says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord as His representatives, for this is just and right. Honor, esteem, and value as precious your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Fathers... Do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in training and discipline and counsel and admonition of the Lord. Now, let me ask you a question. Verse 4. Is the same person writing verse 2 that's writing verse 4? And who did it? Write verse two. Father and mother. Two. Put verse two back up there. Your father and your mother. Yeah. And then verse four is to who? Fathers. Fathers. Verse four says fathers do not irritate and provoke your children. Don't anger them. Train them. Discipline them. Say that. Fathers. Fathers. Don't provoke them. them. Train them. them. Discipline them. Fathers. Now, am I confused? Or has society somehow changed that? What happened? Now, I didn't write that verse. But fathers are to be examples to their children. Now, I don't know about you... But it might provoke me as a child if my dad came home every day and sat behind a computer or turned on the TV and never spent any time with me. And and said he never had time to spend with me. That might be a provoking to wrath thing. And people wonder in today's society why we have so many rebellious children and gays and homosexuals and all the other things that we have. Because the rearing of children have been left to the other. And look at how quiet it's getting in here. I get, say this with me. She didn't write that verse.
1: She didn't write that verse.
0: Amen. Where do we get our knowledge from? From society and what it tells us and what people in the world are doing are from the Bible. The Bible. Put the verse back up there. It's in big, bold letters. Now, could it not have said, mothers, there just as easily as it says fathers. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Now, this is not saying mothers can't help train the child. Right. But the lead in this should be fathers. Fathers, don't provoke your children and anger them. But rear them up tenderly. That means you can't be hard with them all the time. Tenderly, in training and discipline. Put up the message Bible for me just a minute in that. I think it's the message that I had in that, if I can find my notes. In verse 4. Fathers don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Now, how can you lead your children in the way of the master if you don't know it yourself? Right. That's right. <clears throat> Who is to be the head of the house? Who has that been left to? Is there a problem in that? There's nothing wrong with a godly woman. Let me give you an example. I can't tell you about other people's relationships. I can tell you about mine. My husband and I got in the ministry many, many years ago. But when we first started, he was ready to serve God wholeheartedly. I wasn't so ready. I was, as I said, first service, rebel. Yes. I was ready to make money. I was ready to do other things. And he was ready to serve God. Now, my husband is the most wonderful thing that's ever happened to me in my whole life other than getting saved. He's my hero. He's my joy. He's my life. He's my friend. He's taught me 99% of everything I ever know from how to drive almost a stick shift to, to how to do almost everything. I mean, I've been with him since I've been 13 years old. I mean, I mean, forever. But he, when we were 17, between 17 and 18 years old, 19 years old, decided it was time for us to serve God. Now, that's young. Youth. And I said, I'm serving God. And he said, "You can come with me, or you can stay back, but I'm serving God." Now, that is where leaders' husbands must choose. There can be no bending, there can be no bowing, there can be no confusion, there can be no compromise, there can be no gray areas. When it comes to hearing from God and doing what God says, it's 100%, not 99%, not 98%, it's we do what God says. And that's the way he is. And we don't bend. And we're not late. And we don't do it half-heartedly. We give it 110%. And if it takes more, then we give it more. When it comes to serving God. You can ask the staff that. You can ask. Dave has heard him say it's not confusing a few times. When it comes to serving God, he don't go even a little to the left. But now let me tell you another side. This is my husband. My husband prefers me most all the time. The other day, he left. He's getting ready to go on a trip. Now, I don't know how far away he got. But the next thing I know, I'm sitting there in the chair studying because I was going to have to do something. And uh, I come in, and across the chair, he's kissing me on this cheek, and then he kisses me on this cheek. He says, I forgot something. And it was to come back and kiss me. Amen. That's love. We'll sit there, guys, like a remote. How many guys like your remote? Be honest. All right. Only ten of you raised your hand. All right, women, you get the remote from now on. You saw it. He didn't raise his hand. Right, let's try that one more time. How many of you guys like the remote? Thank you. All right. All right. At my house... My husband likes the remote too. But when I'm there, he'll watch Nancy Drew with me. Do you know? Yeah, that's love. That's love. Instead of some car show or something. That's love. I'll cook. He'll clean up. Yeah, aw. <laughs> I mean, the other day. Now, if you know anything about him, you know he likes his motorcycles. I mean, y'all gave him the Y'allallallon. Y'allallallon. Like Dave the Hillbilly's coming out this morning. <laughs> But I got bitten by a, we think, a spider. We don't really know what it was. But it caused a few problems. And my arm didn't seem to really want to do a whole lot for a little while there. But anyway, but we wanted to go ride. it was a beautiful day for a few hours. And um, he thought I'd be more comfortable on my bike. So he gets on my trike and drives me around for hours. Now, is that sweet or what? That's love. That's love. Now, he knows. I mean, we've, we've counseled with people. And they've been married 20 years and don't even know what their mate likes in their coffee. Or what their favorite foods are 30 years. That's not love. And my husband can go in a store... He knows what size shoe I wear, he knows what size ring I wear, he knows what size clothes I wear. He could go and buy me anything. Anything. He knows me because he loves me. He chooses to know me. Because he prefers me. But now when it comes to the things of God, he don't bend. He's the head. Right. Now, you've seen us work together, some in the church here. I can get things from God. You see me do it? Yes. What do you see me do when I do it? I'll have him turn off his microphone. or I'll, I'll ask him what does he think about it. I don't go up there and jerk the microphone away from him and say, I got something from God. This is what we're going to do. And take the service out of his control. I might do it once. (laughs) And then you all might find out who is in control. Because he don't play with the things of God. He'd say, Sit down in front of you. I'm not confused. Right. <laughs> but now, out from the things of God, I'm his princess. Hallelujah. But when it comes to doing what he knows he's heard from God, we don't move. But that don't mean I can't hear from God. And we work together as a team. Now, what about your house? Who is the head? Who is guarding your house? He'll call me. He'll be on the road. He'll say, go in the office and get the cordless phone. Go around the house. Make sure all the doors are locked. He knows I've forgotten to lock one. (laughs) He'll say, Phil, because I'm not a fearful person. And he'll come in. He'll say, how come you didn't have that door locked? And I'll go, you know? And we'll stay on the phone. He'll be gone. We'll stay on the phone. He's gone. He's gone. One day, two hours that night. Hallelujah. Amen. Love. But I'm not confused about who's the head. Your children shouldn't be confused about who's the head. And that's what's wrong with the family relationship. That's why the devil has been able to get in, make us sick, steal our finances, destroy us. Because there is no head. We've seen it here in the church. When people have gotten out of their place, things just go awry. But when you've got the person that's supposed to be in that position, in that position, things just fall into place. It's effortless. But when the wrong person is in that position, it's like you're constantly having to put out fires. You're constantly having to deal with things you wouldn't have to deal with. But when you've got the right person in the right place, the devil does not even attack that area. Because he knows he can't. So when the man does his duty as being the head, you say, well, I may miss it. You're going to miss it. Because that's how you've learned. But that's what your wife is for. To be there, to undergird you. I'm with you. We may have missed it this time, but we'll get it right the next time. Let's go, honey. Glory. Glory. Preach it. Preach it right there. Ladies, that's why men don't step up to the plate most of the time. Because most women instead of being helpmates, they're judge mates. We were sent to be helpmates, not critical, judgmental. I knew he was going to miss it. I knew he was going to mess up. I knew if you did that, it was going to be a mess. I could have told you. Anybody can say that. But who can say, honey? I've missed it before myself. I ain't got it right every time the kids messed up. You see them.
1: <laughs>
0: Be there. Be that rock for them to fall back on. You'll reach higher heights. We are not supposed to be like the world. Women, if you will do what you're supposed to do, you will have greater respect and greater love than you've ever had in your life. Men, if you'll do what you're supposed to do, you will be more secure than you've ever been in your lifetime. And the devil will not be able to attack you. Because you will have fulfilled the contract that you're supposed to fulfill. Let's read Ephesians 5. Verse 22. It says, Wives, submit your own self. Uh Uh-oh. That means husbands, you don't make her do it. If she don't want to do it out of love... You don't make her do it. What you have so many times is men that are real strong on making their wives do things that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God or having heard from God. But then when it does come to doing the things of God, it's like, oh, well, big deal. And they put the emphasis where it shouldn't be. Wives, submit your own selves unto your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives Even as Christ also loved the church and gave His self for it, that He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the Word, that He might present it to Himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. You know what? Guys, you're going to stand before the Lord and answer for your family. And if God told you to come to church, here, internet people, or wherever, go to church there, and your wife said she didn't want to go, he's going to say, I told you to present them to me. Well, she didn't want to go. Then you should be like Keith. We're going on with God. Do you think Keith trusted me to make the right decision? He trusted God to deal with me. He had confidence in God that if God told him to do it, he would deal with me. And that's what has to happen. You don't have to have confidence in the person sitting next to you. You have to have confidence in God. You must. God's bigger than that person sitting next to you. You have confidence in Him. And. During the ladies meeting, we had, people say, well, they have a will of their own. Yeah, they do. But do you remember how many things happened in the Old Testament about, uh, uh, locust and w- water turning to blood and, and how many different things they had to deal with? People's will can be really pushed to the edge and they're going to really, really want to change it if you get really, really strong at serving God and believe in Him. Yeah, Jonah, somebody said. I mean, you really get in faith, God can do a lot of things for you. So don't back down on that count. So men ought to love their wives as their own bodies. And he that loves his wife loves himself. And no man ever yet hated his own flesh. So you shouldn't make your wife do something you wouldn't do. He nourishes it, he cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. For we're members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. I like the message Bible in verse thirty two and thirty three. It says this is a huge mystery. And I don't pretend to understand it all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife. Loving himself in loving her. And how each wife is to honor her husband. Does Christ give His self for you all the time? Does He do things for you even when you mess up? Even when you don't love Him, does He love you all the time? But is He willing to bend one note on what He knows God told Him to do for you? Can He bend the Word for you as much as He would want to? can't do it. He can't do it. But he loves you. And he'd help you any way he could. He'd give you wisdom. He'd help you. But he can't bend his word and change his word to fix things for you. And that's what's trying to be happening in our homes today. We're trying to get out of doing our duties and let the wife do them for us. And it just won't work. And the wife is choosing to do them so she can have the control, but it just won't work. You say, well, she may be better at the checkbook. Or she may be better at this. Or she may be better at that. You're still the head. You should know about these things. It doesn't do for you just to be ignorant about everything in your household. You are the one accountable for it. You should know about these things. You should know about your kids' homework. When they come home from school, you should know about what's going on with them. doesn't do to hide in a dark closet and pretend like they're not your kids. They are. You laugh, but we deal with them. They're good kids without discipline. Do you know why I say it that way? Because if the family unit is not right and the wife is not submitting to her husband, they do not know what discipline is. They do not know what respect is. Because if a wife is not respecting her husband properly, they do not have the example in the household. They don't have the proper example to follow. They don't know it. That's why God set it up that way. They have something to follow then. They see it happening every day in their household. Just like you see me when I go and ask Keith, I go... He goes, and you don't see me go, is that an example? Whether we said anything or we didn't say anything, it is an example to you of our relationship. And your kids see it in your home. Whether the wife minds, I've heard Dave and Kim talk about some of their family members and, and stuff. Get upset with Kim because, or friends, I don't remember who it was. Get upset with Kim because she gets up and pours Dave's drink for him. I've done it all my life. I thought, what? what what's the problem with that? But they saw it as degrading to her. Children should see this kind of stuff going on all the time in their households. Parents loving each other and setting the example, just like Christ does for the church, they must see this in their households. If we're going to regain our society and be the people that we are supposed to be, our children must see the examples that they're supposed to see. You can't tell them, do as I say and not as I do. If they see the mother smarting back at the father, they're going to smart back at the next person. It's going to happen. If you see me, staff, smarting back at Keith, wouldn't that allow you to smart back at me? Have you ever seen me? Karen, you've been with us how many years? 14 years. Kate, you've been with us how many years? About 16? You've practically half lived with us in our house. Have you ever seen me smart back at Keith? Not ever. Not ever, she says. So if you're being that example for your children, what example... Are they going to follow? Put the verse, fathers, verse 4 back up there. See if we can find it back again. First Corinthians, was it? Is it Ephesians 6, 4? Yep. Fathers. Who's supposed to lead this? So, fathers, if you're allowing this to go on in your households, you're allowing the destroyer to get into your households one way or the other. You're opening the door to the devil. Just like opening the door to the mob. Our children must have examples. Your life, just like I didn't want mine to be an example, your life is an example. It's who you are. You will be held accountable. And do you want your children to grow up and their children to be problems and your grandchildren to be problems and the next thing you know you're bailing one of them out of jail? Fathers must set the example and it must come down the line. You can't bend on certain things. You must hear from God. There's a verse that I think everybody in this room knows Matthew 625 It's in red letters Therefore I say unto you take no thought for your life what you'll eat anybody been having any trouble with their bills What you'll drink, nor yet for your body, if you've been sick, or what you'll put on, for your life is more than meat and your body more than raiment. Verse 633. Go to 33 now. But what? And all those things will change. We like to live in a pretend world that one thing doesn't affect the other. But we must fix the source of the problem. And it's I it's easier than you think. You can't just go through life day to day and pretend like I don't want to deal with the kids this issue today. I'm tired. Well, there's a lot of days you don't want to deal with a lot of stuff. Just the other day, I told, I called Dave and I said, you have to call her. And he goes, yuck. Then he called me back later and said, I shouldn't have said that. There's a lot of days we don't want to deal with things we have to deal with. Him and Kim had to stay on the phone with her, what, an hour? But you don't want to deal with it. But you have to. That's part of being a parent. You don't want to deal with things with your spouse. You don't want to deal with things with your kids, but you have to. But the end result is worth it. And the sooner you get to it, the quicker the fun comes. It's like as soon as we fixed the alternator on the bike, we got to ride it for days. And we didn't have to keep working on it. We had it for a whole week and we just kept riding it and riding it. It was big fun. Or we could have just left it there, dead, sitting at the house, and not had any fun. Because we were too lazy to fix it. God has a wonderful plan for our lives. But it takes even the manna they had to go pick up. takes a little bit of work on our part. Let me read you something Keith says. It's a quote that he does. Before we do that, let me read you this one in The New Living. And I want you to keep it in guys. You might want to write it down someplace and refer back to it. Ephesians 6.4, and then I'll read you this. I'm trying to go too fast. I know the time. Ephesians 6.4. Fathers. Don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Now, how are you going to know what comes from the Lord unless you spend time with him? God is a good God, and he has all the answers. But we must spend time with him. Fathers are the ones that's supposed to do it too. Yes, I help Keith all the time. And he's all the time saying, what do you think about this? What do you think? You think this? You think that? You think this? You think that? But that doesn't mean he's just handed it over to me and said, do it. It means we're a team. And he hears from God and I hear from God. And we come together. Fear forces. Love leads. And faith follows. So guys... Don't force people out of fear that you're afraid they're not going to do what you want them to do. Don't intimidate them. Don't try to make them do something they don't want to do or that they're uncomfortable with. If they don't see it, look to God and trust Him. Love leads them. Does Jesus make you do anything? Then, ladies, faith. You don't have to see it. But you do have to walk by faith. And what does the word say about faith? It pleases God. So the more you can't see it, the more you're going to be pleasing God. Y'all are really, really quiet in here. I'll tell you, like I tell the youth when we get to talking about something that they get real quiet on because they're always real talkative, you're telling off on yourself when you get that quiet. So, you know. Ephesians 5.33. I'll leave you with this. The wife see that she reverence her husband. Men, women can't reverence you The greatest thing that Keith ever did for me was to serve God. The greatest thing he ever did for me was not to back down. We would not be where we are today had he have said, you know what, it's just too stinking hard. It's not worth the fight. Let's just go get secular jobs and quit this. Where would we be today? How many people in the world would have heard of Keith Moore or he would have helped or got saved or healed or their needs met? And I could have caused it because it would have just been too hard for him to continue. Not worth it, but not the case. He stood firm. wasn't easy, but he did it. It makes me have more respect for him today because he did. Through the toughness, he stood firm because he'd heard from God. We were supposed to do this. So, men, don't just make it easy on yourselves. Do what God tells you to do. But, ladies, don't get in fear. God is greater than your husband. Amen. The greatest reason that I didn't want to submit to Keith is I was in fear that if I did submit to him, he wouldn't he would control me and I would never have any say about anything. Does it look as though I don't ever have any say about anything? <laughs> Those are lies of the devil. Most things are lies of the devil, and they just have to be channeled right. You just have to get on the same page. Don't let the devil lie to you and continue to keep you on the same path. The truth will set you free. And it's been the devil's plan to keep you in bondage by not doing this right. Stand up with me.